Second Kings chapter 4. Let us quickly get into the Word of the Lord. Again, thank you, Pastor and Sister Calhoun, for the invitation, opportunity to be here with you and this great assembly, this church body who has loved us, been so kind to us. Uh, more than we deserve, you have been tremendous hosts, and we so appreciate it, so appreciate it. Second Kings chapter 4, the Bible reads, I'm going to skip a few verses, but the Bible reads in verse number 8, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. She said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. I'm going to skip a few verses down to verse number 15. And he, Elisha, saith, said, Call her. And when he had called her, I want you to notice, she enters the room and she stands in the door. When he had called her, she stood in the door. If you were even to skip down to verse about 20, 21, the Bible says, And she went up and lay him on the bed, him being her son that she had. We'll get to that. She went up and lay him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And if you were to skip all the way down to verses, verses I believe, 33, the Bible says, Elisha went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. Now I'm skipping a lot in those verses, but... What I'm trying to drive home this morning is that this story, there is a center place in this story. And it is the chamber and the room that this woman built. Everything, every miracle, every burden that she had in this story is centered around the chamber. Everything that happens that uh, occurs in this story is based upon a great woman who took time to build a chamber. I want to just preach for the next few moments. I won't take long. I want to simply bring this thought to you today. A mother's miracle room. A mother's miracle room. Would you just put down your Bible and lift up your hands right now and ask God to touch the soil of your soul. God, I pray today 
God, give us ears to hear. I pray, Lord, for the group and assembly of mothers and fathers, uh, young people that are here today. I pray, God, the Holy Ghost would move in such a mighty way. Ask you, Lord, to help somebody. Do something great here today. Let today be the beginning of a great, 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 fresh start in somebody's life. We give you praise and glory. Amen. You may be seated. Evidently, Shunem was located in the Jezreel Valley. And it seemed to be a natural stopping point. For some, perhaps we could say a natural watering hole for Elisha and many weary travelers as they would make the sojourn to Mount Carmel. It seemed to be a place that um, they would want to stop after traveling many miles perhaps through the Jezreel Valley starting at Bethel. The Bible tells us that some day, many days occurred, passed, and there was a woman that somehow became acquainted, her and her husband, with Elisha. And the Bible gives to us this particular word when she said when it says that time to time that the Shunammite woman would constrain the man of God to come and eat bread with them. Time and time, opportunity after opportunity, she did not want the man of God and the presence of God to pass by without Elisha coming into her home. I, I don't know why she was called great. Tradition says that it was the prophet Jeremiah that wrote the book of, of First and Second Kings. We're not altogether sure, but we do know that she was a Shunammite woman. We don't have much description about her, but the Bible does tell us that she was a Shunammite and she was a great woman. We really don't even know why she was great. Some commentators would say it was because of the deep pockets that her and her husband had. But in looking at this story, I believe if it were Jeremiah to be the one that penned these words, I believe Jeremiah had a greater reason to call this woman a great Woman, There is no other woman in the Bible that is called a great woman. There are times in the Bible where Jesus looks and says she has great faith, but she is not called a great woman. This woman had become acquainted with Elisha. She had invited him into the home time and time again. It was as if he would walk down the road and pass by her house and he, she would say, no, 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 come on in. We, 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 we've got fresh bread to eat. We, 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 we've got some water that we can give to you. Why don't you just sit a while? Isn't that just like someone who has maternal instincts? I don't know. I had friends growing up. Their mothers, they, they, you, you wonder why I look the way I do. It's probably because of somebody's mother that, that I sat down at their table was getting ready 
ready to leave and they said no no we've got one more flapjack for you why, why don't you just sit down here a little bit longer no no here take some more bacon right here and, and, and they just constrain you mothers do that they, you go over to their house and they, they just say oh you're looking a little bit thin today your, your face isn't just, just quite as rosy as it normally is so why don't you sit down here let, let me just take care of you and this is exactly what I envision this woman doing to Elisha saying man of God you don't leave quite yet to Carmel why don't you just stay here right now mothers seem to sometimes not take no for an answer they are ardent and they are insistent they say no 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 you're going to do what I say here because I want you to stay I want to feed you I want you to be in my presence I want to commune with you I thank that this is part of what I believe uh, This what made this woman great the Bible tells us and mentions the words constrained this word constrained is simply literally means that she would lay hold upon him. I don't know if it was literally or figuratively, but Brother Smith, when he was passing by, if it was literally, she would literally take him by the hand and lead him and say, No, you are not going to leave my house. You're going to come in and dine with us. I believe this was a characteristic of Jeremiah thought that it was great. It fell one day, the Bible says, that this particular couple, I don't know if it was just right recently after Elisha had come and, and dined and, and perhaps slept with them in their home and, and had taken, taken his sandals off so that she could wash his feet feet and, 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 and made him the honored guest of that house. I don't know, but, but soon after, just a little bit long after, after one of his visits, I see them in the parlor after the day's happenings and they are reminiscing about the day and talking about uh, the fields and, and, and what type of uh, prosperity their harvest is going to, to give to them. But she looks at him and says, Husband, you know, I think it might be a good idea that, you know, there's this man of God that walks by every so often and, and he's come and he's come time to time and we fed him and even last time, you remember, we made a little pallet for him on the couch and he took his pillow. But I, I just would like to have this man of God feel just a little bit more comfortable. She looks at her husband and says, you know, I, I know you're going to have to be the one to help me do this, but, but I sure would like like you to, to help me build a little chamber for this man. I, I sure would like you to, to work on this chamber together with me. I, I just want to stop and just say to every husband and every mother that is here, I know that I in this audience are single mothers, but can I just stop and tell every mother the greatest inheritance that you can ever give to your children is not going to be a piece of real estate. 
The greatest inheritance that you can ever give to your child is not going to be a six-figure income in the bank account. The great, great heritage, I believe, starts first with a Christian apostolic heritage that you can give to them that when you are long gone, they will have something to hold on to. I believe that this is paramount that a mother can help set the tone in her home to say this is going to be a Christian home. This is going to be an apostolic home. She can begin to be the one that sets the atmosphere. The second thing that I see, I know there's not much meat on this bone, but can I just tell you this I see here in my mind's eye that they synergistically worked together. Both husband and wife worked together to help build this chamber. Mother, the greatest thing, second only to the apostolic and Christian heritage that you can give, that inheritance that you can give is to give your children a model for a Christian family. Can I tell you the greatest heritage that you can give second only to your apostolic heritage is to have a marriage that works. To have a marriage that will stand the test of time. To have a marriage that there is equal love one to another. Perhaps it's because my wife comes from a divorced family. Perhaps it's because my dad and my mommy both come from a divorced heritage that they begin to tell me the stories of how they felt when their parents divorced. It is a ripping of sorts. Can I just tell this church today if you are married and if you are a mother, my God you need to put all of your effort you need to put all of your energies you need to put all of your efforts into your marriage so that when the the test of time has come your marriage will stand no, it's not perhaps jumping and shouting, but can I tell you, we need churches that are built on great families. We need churches that are built on great mothers and great fathers. We need churches that say, you know what, there might we not might not always agree, but we're not just going to throw our marriage to the dogs. We're going to do whatever we can to stay together for whatsoever the Lord hath joined together. Let no man put asunder. He says, let's make a little chamber. They work, and the Bible begins to tell us that she begins this construction project, this project that she builds a chamber. She's very careful about the arrangement of it and how she furnishes this particular chamber. She puts in a bed and a stool and a candle. She's very meticulous about how she she spends the furnishing in this particular room. She she with great care thinks about what this man of God would need. I, 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 it came to me that she didn't build a room for, for her extra set of garments. She didn't build a room just to be a sunroom. She didn't build a room. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But, but the room that, that she built was built for the presence of God. 
The room that she built was not built for a place, a vacation spot of an hour from the kids and from the turmoil of the day, but she took great pleasure and she took great care when she began to build this room. This room was not just a room made of lattice that could be easily torn down. It was not a room that could be easily destructed, but it was on the wall. It had walls. It had a roof. It had a door. She took care in this. There was something about this woman that said when the presence of God comes by, I want it to to come by my house I want to not it not just linger in this house not just walk through this house I want it to linger in this house I don't want it just to stay here for a moment but I want it to have resting place I look to this woman she was not building this room because she wanted something from God she was not building this room because she wanted the presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S of God, but she wanted the presence of God. She was not building the room for what she could get from God, but she was building the room for what she could give to God. She wasn't building the room because she felt like she needed to, but she was building the room because she loved the man of God, loved the things of God, and loved the presence of God. Ladies and gentlemen, every mother, under the sound of my voice, it is imperative that you continually seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you her priorities were in alignment with God's will she wanted the presence of God more than anything more than she wanted more clothes and more than she wanted more materialistic goods she said let's build a place in this house where I can, can host the presence of God mothers hear me today I believe in 2012 we need mothers to rise up and say I don't want more materialism right now I'm content with what I have but I'm ready today to begin the construction of a room that will house and host the presence of God in my home we need mothers that can once again bombard the gates of hell finding a place in their house walking into their prayer closet and building and constructing something that the presence of God will linger in she was not a woman of although the Bible says that she the Bible says she was a great woman but it does not say that, that, that she, she had come to a place that even when it came by the prophet that said, what do you want? She couldn't even think about what she wanted. It wasn't about what I can get in life. It wasn't about the materialistic things that I can garner in life. For she had learned the very principle of Paul that said, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Ladies and gentlemen, mothers, hear me today. Whether you are at the top of 
of the food chain are at the bottom. Can I tell you here today, it's not about what you can get in this life. It's about what you can build in this life. It's about a room in your house that every morning your kids can walk out and as they're about to go to school, they see a mother that's bent down in prayer. She's carefully constructing the roof of her prayer closet. She's carefully constructing the door of her prayer closet. She's not interested in anything else. She just wants his presence. She just wants him to linger in the house. She just wants the glory to fill her house. Tell you something. That room made the difference for her. That room, it started because she was seeking the heart of God and not the hand of God. That room, it gave her all she needed because it was started not with what she could get, but with what she could give to God. was started not because she wanted a child. It was started not because she wanted fresh dreams. It was started not because she wanted a boy. It was started not because of her barrenness. It was started not because of the the dysfunction in her family, the addiction that was coursing in her veins. It was started because she said I want to love God. I want to serve God with all my heart. I'll do whatever it takes to build a room in my house that God will live the Bible tells us the Bible tells us that after some days the Bible says that sure enough Elisha would take full advantage of this room and it fell a day that Elisha began to look to Gehazi and said servant what do you think that she wants? Is there anything that she wants? He had already called her and she had communicated to him her contentness and said, I am a woman that dwells amongst my own people. I, 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 am, I, am, I, I, feel, I feel good about the place that I'm at in life. I, I'm content with, with what I have. I'm content with my husband. I'm content with, with, with the resources and finances that we had. But somewhere as she left that place, as she left that room, after she had, had, had built it and constructed it for the presence of God, out of that room, the Bible says that that. that that Elisha called Gehazi and Gehazi he was the designated chairman of the gift giving club and said you know what I, I know something that she doesn't have I, I know that she's got a lot but I know that, that her husband is old and I know that they do not have a son and here today and here in this particular story the Bible says in verse 15 that Elisha called her to her room 
called her to that place what that she had constructed for the lingering presence of God. And the Bible says that it was in the door, it was in the room that she got her promise from God. It became now this, this I am asking him to linger with me. But soon enough, all of a sudden, God said, now that you've got my heart, now I'm going to give you my hand. Now that you've captured my heart, now I'm going to do something for you. Can I tell you prayer closets that are born out of loving God will always produce God's hand. God my God today would to the Lord that there would be some mother that would understand don't always ask the Lord for something but why don't you just seek his face why don't you just seek his heart why don't you just love him a little bit and sure enough after a period of time uh, Elisha looks to this little Shunammite woman and says at this same season of time in just about a year from now you're going to produce a promise she looks at him and says don't lie to me but can I tell you that the promises of God are yea and amen and when God said it he meant it can I tell somebody here some mother this it's not just about building it for his face but once you get his face he will give you the promises that you have been praying for he will give to you the very desires of your heart he will help your child he will will help your marriage but you've got to build the room based upon your love for him but the promise for this woman came out of the same place that she had built for her love for God the very promise came out of the place that she had built for the presence of God Why do I need to have a special miracle room, preacher? Why is it important for me to have a special miracle? Why do I have to construct it? Because the promises of God are in that room. The promises of God are in that secret place. The promises of God are pregnant in that place that you construct for Him. And you might have built it just to love Him. But all of a sudden, after you built it to love Him just a little bit, now He says, you're my daughter you're my son now I want to bless you now I want to give you the desires of your heart but if you hadn't built that room if you hadn't spent time carefully and meticulously building that room you have no place to house the promise of almighty God I'm praying today that there would be young mothers, young mothers that would arise and begin to seek the Lord. I'm praying today that there would be young single mothers that would say there's nothing more important than building a place of prayer, than building a place where the presence of Almighty God can stay in my house. That's where the promise is at. That's where His presence is at. It's in the room. It's in the chamber that you build. Sure enough, after a period of time, the Bible says that she, being barren, she produces a child. And the promises of God were once again 
came into fruition once again. The Bible says, and skipping a lot of this story, but the Bible says that the child grew older. One particular day, one particular day, one particular day. There's always days like that. When trouble comes and you didn't even know it came that morning. You had no idea what was going to happen that day. When you woke up and put your feet on the ground, you had no idea, no idea that your life was about to change that day. This woman had that experience. She, she is all of a sudden met by a servant carrying her boy from the fields. Perhaps it was sunstroke that had gotten onto him. The Bible says that he laid her promise, her promise that God had given to her from her miracle room, this promise that God had granted to her based upon her because she constructed a special room unto him. Uh, the Bible says that, that all of a sudden that boy is just laying upon, upon her knees. And until noon, until at noon at 12.01, the clock strikes and the boy dies. I don't know, I don't know if I'm preaching to people here today that have ever had a child die. I have never been uh, in that predicament, in that situation of having a child die. But I do remember in 2000, uh, there in the city of Redlands, we had a very tragic story that happened. I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. And, and the young people were out messing around. And, and, and if your pastor preached against it, don't, don't, I'm not saying. They were out TPing people's houses and they were having a good time. It was all in fun and, and everybody was okay with it and all of this stuff. But they were having a good time. Well, all of a sudden, they were TPing one of these, these, this sister's house. And, and the Vestals ha, ha, had let their little girl, Carissa, uh, uh, stay the night at the Hibbets household. And, these young girls, only seven years of age, were, were taking a bath there in the bathroom and, and the bathtub. And, and the mother that was watching them, she was the mother of Brittany, but not Carissa. She, she heard something, and it was one of the young people as they were messing around and having a good old time. And, and she got up and went away from the bathtub for just a split second. But in that split second, something happened to the young girl. It wasn't her daughter but it was the young girl that was staying the night at her house. We don't know even to this day if she hit her head or what transpired, but somehow when she came back into that room, their little girl had run and called her and said, Mommy, Mommy, Carissa is not coming up out of the bathtub. And fear struck her heart as she ran to that bathtub and picked up that little seven-year-old girl. She had the, the unenviable position to call the Vestal's house and, and let them know that the ambulance is here and it's on its way to, to Redlands Community Hospital. And I remember that night very well as my father and I and my mother, we went, got in the car and drove straight to the community hospital. It was in one of these little chaplain rooms. I can remember it very vividly. It was 
us three and it was Ernie and Linda Vestal as we were awaiting the the word from the doctor still wasn't quite sure exactly what is what had happened just knew that that she was unconscious and she was unresponsive and all of a sudden I can remember as that doctor walked into that room he was very very somber and he was very sober and he looked very he looked at the vestals and and I wonder what was happening because there was a stillness and a silence that was in that room and all of a sudden he looked at Linda Vestal and said I'm sorry little Carissa is gone I suspect it didn't affect me like it affected her but Pastor Calhoun I had never heard in my young life I had never heard the sound that came from that woman the sound that came from the deep registers of her soul as it was almost the only way I could explain it as it was a lowing it was not a high pitch but it was a oh it was a guttural scream it came from way down deep as she dealt with the burden of this loss. I don't know if the Shunammite woman after her son had died, I don't know if she screamed or if she was like Linda Vestal and she lowed and it began to come from the deep registers of her being but I do know that she was now burdened and the only place that she could take her burden and the only place that she could take her promise, it wasn't to the neighbor's house, it wasn't to the doctor but she went back to that room of her promise she went back to that room that she had constructed she went back to that place that she had carefully and meticulously built in the in the alone times when it was just her and the lingering presence of God and now she didn't have a promise but now she had a burden now she had something that she was carrying upon her shoulders now she had something as she picked up that child and laid it down upon that bed ladies and gentlemen mothers hear me there is a place that if you will build it you can get a promise out of and after you get a promise out of it in the times of of trial and in the times of tribulation there is a place that you can take your burdens to there is a place that you can lay it down before the feet of God and say God you know my heart you know I built this place it wasn't to get anything for you but I've got to cast my cares I'm talking about mothers that'll pray burdens off of their backs I'm talking about mothers that will pray for backslidden children I'm talking about mothers that will do whatever it takes to build that miracle room lift your hands would you just right now I'm almost done I promise you If you're a guest and you're a mother and you, you thought, man, I just came to hear something uplifting. This is the, the best uplifting thing you can hear today. That you can begin today a, a, a time where you can begin a relationship with God. This is the greatest word that you can hear today. That there is a place that you can bring your burdens. It's not going to be on the telephone. It's not going to be to an ant. But you can build a place where you can take your burdens before the Lord. And lay them down and say, God, I don't know what to do with these I'm going to put it on you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you. 
for these situations. I know there are people here today that are burdened. I know there are mothers here today that are burdened for your child that stands and sits maybe perhaps in the vicinity of you. But I've come to tell you, you keep on bringing that burden. You keep on laying that burden down. You keep on putting it on the in the presence of God. You keep on bringing it to that prayer closet. You keep on just knocking. For if you keep on knocking, and if you'll keep on seeking, I guarantee you that God will meet you there. And I suspect that as she lays her burden in this miracle room, she never fathomed when she constructed this room that it would be all that it had turned out to be. She was just building the room for the presence of man of God. But it turned out to be a lot more than she had ever fathomed. The Bible said, I believe that it was the same, same tenacity that she showed that she laid hold upon Elisha when he would pass through that this characteristic began to come bubbling out of her again and she said I am not content to just let my child die I'm not just content to allow them to, to allow this child to, to, this promise to die but, 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 but she went to her husband and said would you allow me to have, to have one of the servants and would you give me an animal that I could begin to ride on to find the man of God she, she began to lay hold of some things and said no 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 I'm not just going to allow this pass me by she got a tenacity about her that said I am not just going to give up on my son I'm not just going to give up on my daughter I'm not going to allow death to come into this baby but I'm going to do whatever I can I'll go to the, to the ends of the earth for this child I'll, I'll go and do whatever it takes to see this child raised up again can I tell you thank God for mothers that won't give up on us thank God for mothers that provoke us to good works thank God for mothers that say no you're getting up on church for this Sunday morning thank God for mothers that say no you're you're not going to go there. You're not going to hang out with them. Thank God for mothers that said, I refuse to allow my child to die. Thank God for mothers that have built a room to say, I will lay hold of some promises. I will lay hold of the man of God, the things of God, for my child. I refuse. saying that says you have a face that only a mother could love every baby is beautiful to the mother even it's wrinkled alien like state it is the most beautiful sight that a mother has ever seen and that child can disappoint her time and time again child can even turn its back on her time and time again but there is a maternal love that is undying and unfailing that says I won't let you go I'm not going to allow the world to do this to you 
I'm not going to allow. I'm going to take you, boy. I'm going to take you, daughter, before the throne. And I'm not going to allow the world to do this to me. A man by the name of Thomas, he began his schooling. Musicians can come. Began his schooling in Port Huron, Michigan. He was seven years old, Thomas was. And in this day, they did not have diagnosis for ADHD or any other type of attention deficit syndrome. But at seven years old, his teacher, Mr. Engel, said, Thomas, you're unfit. He looked to that student and in what he wouldn't get by with today in 2012, he looked at that student and said, Thomas, you don't like math. You're not smart. You're a dull student. In fact, at one point, the story goes that he looked at Thomas and said, you are not only dull, but you are confused in your mind. You cannot, you cannot even configure mathematics in your mind. Many times he would whip Thomas time and time again, but one day when he had taken enough of the verbal abuse from that particular teacher that had told him that he was dumb and he was insignificant and that he was nothing and that he was a nobody and that he was not smart and he was confused and there was something wrong in his mind, he was mixed up in his mind. It was that day that Thomas stormed home. The next day, his mother Nancy arose and took Thomas by the hand, went straight back to that schoolhouse and began to talk with Mr. Angle. And Mr. Angle told Thomas's mother, Thomas can't learn. He's confused. He's messed up in his mind. That mother was having nothing of it. That mother said, you know what, Mr. Engel? I right now withdraw this young boy from this school and I will take him home and I will tutor him myself. And for most of his education, it was his mother that refused to give up on him. That refused to listen to the naysayers say that he was confused that he was spent that he had no hope and no future and Nancy his mother became his school teacher and she pushed Thomas Edison to over 1,093 patents the most in the United States because a mother says, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm preaching here. That mother, she ran to Elisha and she said, Elisha, my baby's dead. And I could have just let him lay in that building. I could have just allowed him to lay in that room. But I'm not giving up on him. 
I'll do whatever it takes. The world might have given up on them. Their school teacher might have given up on them. But I'm not going to give up on them. And the Bible says, you know, the end of the story that she, she causes that man of God to come and lay down in that room upon her promise. He stretches out and breathes into that child fresh life. And in that room that she had, had, had set up to just exalt God and love God and give God the glory. And in that same room that she had taken her burdens it was that same room that she got her miracle because there was a mother who said I'm not giving up on that boy how about it, Rispa? As you're lying down for five months, you're lying down out of the king's house, out of your comfortable bed, and the Bible says that Rispa laid down, and as her boys were hanging upon the walls, she would wake up, and as those vultures and as those beasts would come, she would come and say, scat, 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 scat. She would get her hand and begin to, begin to flail them in the air, getting those vultures and those prey away from her boys because she she said, I know they look dead right now. I know there's nothing good inside of them, but I'm not going to allow. I'm not giving up on them. I'm going to see. Maybe the king will see my efforts. Maybe the king will listen to my voice. Maybe the king will hear my incline and give inclination to my ear. I'm asking here today. There are people here and you feel like the world has given up on you. Feel like even your own family has given up on you. But I've come here to tell you there is a church that hadn't given up on you. Oh, yeah, we know about everything that you've done. But we're not giving up on you. There's a love that says, I still see something there. There is a hold that here today we're having this service because hopefully somebody will begin to build a miracle room. Lift your hands right now to the Lord. I'm done. Stand to your feet, would you, all across this building? Come on, stand to your feet, everybody. Would you lift up your hands right now? I feel God's presence. It's going to settle on us right now. I'm asking everybody, every guest, every visitor. You say, I, I don't really even understand what you're saying, preacher. I'm not sure exactly what you mean, but, but I'm praying right now that God would touch you. I'm first praying for every mother that God would put a burden inside your heart for a, a fresh start of prayer in your life. I'm asking every young mother that would begin to walk in the hallways of her house and say, I'm going to build a place of prayer. I'm going to build a place, a house, where I can take my burdens, where I can get my promise, and where I can see my miracle. And I'm also praying for people that you feel like everybody's given up on you. You don't feel like there's any hope. You're wondering, where do I go from here? You've walked into the church. You've walked to a mother that hadn't given up on you yet. Lift your hands. Come on, lift your hands. Begin to just worship him right now. 
You're standing by somebody. I'm asking the church right now. You're standing by somebody that needs the arms of a mother right now. Would you just reach out around them? Put your arms around them right now and begin to pray for them. Would you do that right now? There is a mother that's here that you are lost. You are afraid. You are directionless. Would you would to God right now that a mother is high would put your arms around them? Come on, mother. I would to God every mom come. Lift up your voice right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm talking to mothers that have children and situations and burdens. Don't give up on it yet. Take it to that chamber. Take it to that room. wait on the Lord come on let's lift your voice let's wait on him for a second I know this is Mother's Day I know we've got flowers to give out but right now I just want God to touch somebody I feel the presence of the Lord just reaching and pulling on somebody right now come on Take out the days right now of what's going to happen. Take it. Don't worry about the restaurant right now. Why don't you just lift your hands right now and say, God, I need you. God, I need you right now. There's some things that are dead in my life that I need your presence to come and resurrect. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask, this is what we're going to do. Pastor Calhoun said I could do whatever I felt to do, so I'm going to do what I feel to do. I promise you, you're going to get the roses. We won't take a long time. But I want every mother to come and fill this, fill this altar right between these two tables. Every mother, every mother, young, old, every mother. I want God to move. I want God to touch somebody here today. I want God to fill someone right now with His Spirit. Come on, just spread out. Give yourself room. Give yourself room. Hallelujah. 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 I'm making a challenge to every, every mother here today. We can't have a generation pass off that knew how to pray, but we haven't turned our own homes into little prayer chambers where we could get our promises where we could bring our burdens where we could see our miracles my first prayer today is that there would be a rise within this assembly of mothers here today that would begin to turn their house turn their bedrooms turn the spare bedroom the bedroom that has the vacuum cleaner and all that turn into a prayer room Turn to a place where your children know that they can find you praying. The next thing I'm praying for are mothers and ladies and people that are here that you feel like people have given up on you. 
I've come with a message of hope to tell you that we hadn't given up on you. God hasn't given up on you. There's still a hope. There's still a future. And you say, why am I feeling the ways? Because there's a church that's been beating the vultures of hell off of you. There's a church that's been praying for you. There's a church that's been loving you. There's a church that's been saying, no, no, no. You're not going to have this mother. You're not going to have this mother. You're not going to have these babies. We've been doing whatever we can to keep hell at bay. The Spirit of God can touch you. I'm asking every person, every, every mother right now, if you would just take someone by hand, only one person, take them by the hand, lift up that hand together. And would you begin to pray right now for whoever... Whose ever hand you are holding right now? Come on, right now, Father. I challenge you, come on, make that commitment, make that dedication. Come on. It's not on the telephone. No, it's in that special miracle room. It's not on the telephone. It's not on the computer. It's in that room that you've created for the presence of God. It's in that space that you've given selflessly. It's in that place that God will meet you. It's in that place where you lay hold of some things. It's in that room where you lay hold of the promises of God. It's in that room that you build. I can't build it for you. Nobody else can build it for you. But you lay hold of it. I'm praying for young mothers. I'm praying for young mothers. Let there be a generation. Let there be a generation. Come on, it's a mother's miracle room. Come on, it's a mother's miracle room. The miracle is in his presence. The miracle is in his presence. The burden is in his presence. I know there's things going on, but right now is the most important thing happening. There is a mother. There is a mother that is going to build a miracle room. There is a mother that God.
Come on, that's it, ladies. Come on, that's it, ladies. If there's a guest or a visitor right around you, why don't you pray for them? If there's a mother, men, would you find a guest? If there's a guest, a friend, would you put your arms around them? Would you let them know we're not going to let you go? We're not giving up on you. We're not giving up on you. We'll do whatever it takes. We love you too much. We love you too much. working the presence of the Lord is working God let me be a prayer warrior God let me build that room with careful consideration let me build that room that it can't be displaced it can't be taken down but it's permanent it's steadfast I've got to have a place of a promise. I've got to have a place where I can take a burden. I've got to have a place. I give my own. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving in this building. The Holy Ghost is moving. Don't lock, don't walk out yet. The Holy Ghost is moving, moving, moving. Lift your hand. That's him. That's him. That's him. Come on. Let it be the beginning of something great. Let it be the beginning of something great. Let it be the beginning of something great. Yes. Give us mothers that know how to carry burdens. Give us mothers that know how to build rooms. Give us mothers that won't give up. That'll go to the very gates of hell. That will storm the gates of hell. That will say, I'm not giving up on you. There's greatness in you. There's greatness in you. Lord, I praise your name. Lord, I praise your holy name. Lord, I praise your name. 
Secret place of the most high. 